David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris. I am Elliot Harris, and David is out either working or playing golf. And if I were a betting man, I'll tell you which one I would bet on. Anyway, he and I recently conducted a couple of interviews with a couple of Miami Dolphins legends, former coach Don Shula and offensive guard Larry Little. So let's get right to it. With Don Shula. This is a true honor. I get to talk to a coach who coached my favorite team back in the 70s, early 80s, into the 90s. He was a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was also an outstanding player. Don Shula, how you doing, Mr. Shula? Doing great. So you were at John Carroll here. How did you end up at John Carroll for college? When I got out of high school, all the veterans were getting back from the service, and they were getting all the scholarships, and I couldn't afford to go. So um, I decided to stay out and work a year and then then go to college. And I bumped into uh, my old high school coach, and he said, don't do that. You might not ever go. He said, I know this coach at uh, John Carroll who will be, you know, he'll be looking for uh, talent, and I'll recommend you. So he did, and that's how I got to John Carroll. And you end up rooming with Carl Cassis? Did you know him from beforehand, or is this just... uh, No, I knew that... uh, he went to Cleveland East High School, and um, and you know when we were freshmen together at uh, John Carroll, we got to we got to be roommates, and then became friends, lifetime friends. And uh, Carl was a great guy, great football player. And then you end up signing with the Cleveland Browns in '51. Did Paul Brown actively recruit you, or was it just a random signing? Well, actually. Uh, you know, playing at John Carroll was right in the shadow of the Brown Cleveland Browns. And uh, my senior year, we played uh, Syracuse University in Cleveland Stadium, and Paul Brown and his whole staff were there scouting Syracuse. And we ended up uh, winning the game, and and both uh, Carl Tassif and I both got drafted by the Browns. Did you have any idea that, that the two of you would end up being selected by the same team? No, we really didn't. It's just something that, you know, from a small school like John Terrell, being selected at all was, uh, you know, the furthest thing from our mind. But uh, as it turned out, you know, and then this game, uh, uh, when we beat Syracuse and, and we both had big days, uh, that's the game that uh, impressed Paul Brown and his coaching staff. What was Paul Brown like as a coach? Just a great coach, great teacher. Um he just, uh, you know, he just covered every uh, possibility, and uh, there wasn't anything that he didn't uh, prepare you for. Then you're part of, at the time, what's the biggest NFL trade in history, 15 players, you and Carl, Bert Retschichar, and several other players end up going to the Baltimore Colts. How much of a shock was that to you? Well, it was... Uh, 
the way it happened, I was going to uh, to grad school in the off season, and I had some time between classes, and uh, I picked up the newspaper, opened the sport page, and my picture was in it. <laughs> What's my picture doing in the paper? And I looked and said, uh, Brown's complete trade, 10 for 5 trade with the Colts. That's how I found out about it. And you got to play for another outstanding coach there in Weave Eubank. Yeah, Weave was a Paul Brown disciple and used pretty much the same playbook and uh, covered all the details and, you know, was a great football coach. And then after your career, you get into coaching. Was was that your plan all along? Well, I, you know, I played for seven years and then uh, uh, when it became apparent that... Uh, and I was coming to the end of my career. I started to look uh, for the possibility of uh, getting into coaching, and uh, and um, I was uh, recommended to the coach who just got the head coaching job at the University of uh, Virginia, Dick Forrest, and he hired me sight unseen over the phone. What was he like to, uh, to play under or coach under? Who, Dick Di- Forrest? Yeah, Dick Forrest. Uh, he was the guy that came from, uh, worked under uh, Red Colonel Red Blake at Army, and that was the basis of his football. So it was pretty different than what I had grown up under, and uh, so it was uh, very interesting. But he was an excellent coach. And, and then you move on to Kentucky, where Blanton Collier, who later would coach in the NFL, was. What, what was he like? Blanton Collier was just a... Uh, a genius of a football coach. Uh, probably, I don't doubt if he ever played the game. He just uh, uh, was a guy that uh, studied the game and uh, was a great teacher, a lot like Paul Brown. When you became the head coach of the Colts, was it based upon Weeb Eubank recommending you, or was it strictly based upon the uh, Colts owner at the time, Carol Rosenblum? Well, they were looking to replace uh, Weeb Eubank, and... Uh, uh, Gino Marchetti was their captain and a great football player, a Hall of Famer, and, and uh, Rosenblum loved him. And um, Rosenblum said to Marchetti that he was going to make a coaching change, and he said, who should I hire? And Marchetti told him, he said, um, why don't you look into this young guy, uh, Don Shula? And Rosenblum said, do you mean the guy that played here and it wasn't very good <laughs> and and Gino said yeah but he's a good coach I was a Detroit with the Lions at that time and so Rosenblum called me and said you've been recommended you think you're ready for the job and I said the only way that you'll find out is if you hire me and he liked that answer and hired me so there you are 33 years old coaching an NFL team what was that like? It's just, you know, you, you have veterans well, the on toughest, the squad. The toughest thing was uh, uh, coaching players, you know, that I had played with and uh, players that I had uh, played against. And now all of a sudden I'm up there and I'm their head coach. And a lot of them were much better players than I ever was when I was a player. So I, I had to, you know, I had to convince them every meeting, every practice that the uh, this was the right thing to do, and I knew what I was doing, and uh, and uh, eventually they bought into it. And you had a pretty good quarterback there uh, in Johnny Unitas. Yeah, Unitas was unbelievable. He just uh, a guy that was uh, 
tough mentally and tough physically and, uh, you know, made the big plays in the big games. Having an offense like that has to simplify the process of transitioning to being an NFL head coach, I would think. Oh, yeah. You know, those yep. are the, the guys that were proven proven players and uh, and uh, they were... They were, you know, guys that were winners. You put them out there, and they knew how to win. You had a very successful rookie year coaching. You were eight and six, and then you end up making the championship game in '64 against the Browns, and then Super Bowl three. You won against Namath. You had some great games. Was there a game that stood out for you in the championship? Uh, the, the team that I had. Yeah, was there a championship game that stood out in your mind that was your best coaching job? Oh yeah, you know the the perfect season when we won all the games. Seventeen and zero. That was a you know a game to remember. Had a lot of great games to remember, but that you know nobody had ever done the seventeen and zero before. How difficult was it leaving Baltimore for Miami? Uh, you know it was uh, tough to do. I love Baltimore and I love the fans and uh, and uh, a lot of the things uh, that uh, were connected to the. Baltimore and the Colts, but uh, Miami was a great opportunity, a new, a relatively new franchise and uh, some very good players. And you built that offensive line. You had some great players. You had Langard, Larry Little, Kuchenberg, and they were basically off the scrap heap, and you turned them into Hall of Fame offensive linemen. Was that your greatest accomplishment? Oh, I don't know. You know, uh, there's a lot of things that I'm very proud of. I think that, uh, you know, winning the most games as a coach is something I'm proud of. And then, uh, the perfect season. Then back to back Super Bowls, uh, uh, 17 and 0 and 15 and 2 in a two year period. How gratifying was beating the Chicago Bears in 1985? Yeah, that's the best half, first half of football I've ever been associated with. We, uh, we had 33 points at halftime against that, uh, a great bear defense, and uh, it ended up, uh, you know, we won the game uh, handily, and that ended up being the only game that the Bears lost that year. They ended up winning the Super Bowl. What made that game so special for the Dolphins was everybody thought that defense was unstoppable, but you found a way to beat it by rolling out Marino, and he had such a quick release that they didn't have time to get to the quarterback. He didn't roll out. He was always in the pocket. But he never. But the Bears didn't have time to get to him because his release was so quick. It was snap the ball. He had a great quick release, and, and he knew what he wanted to do with the ball. He had you know great decision making, and uh, and we put him in situations where their safeties had to cover you know our uh, slot receiver who was Nat Moore at the time, who was a great slot receiver. So you coached Unitas. Greasy, and Dan Marino, three Hall of Fame quarterbacks. What was the main difference? And Earl Morrow was in, Earl Morrow's in my Hall of Fame. <laughs> what, what made them such great players? Was it their talent or just their knowledge of the game? Well, they had, you know, they had both. They had great talent. They had hard workers, knowledge of the game, great competitors. Uh, you know, you have to have all those things going for you when you accomplish everything that they did. In that unbeaten season, when Greasy goes down with a fractured ankle and, and you have Earl Morrill, who played for you in Baltimore, 
how confident were you that, that he could just take over and, and lead the team the way that he was able to? Well, you never, you know, you never expect somebody to step in and do, you know, what Earl did. Uh, after Creasy went down, he, you know, he led us all the way to the uh, championship game, and then Greasy was healthy again, and I had to make that tough decision as to, you know, when I could put Greasy back in because Earl had been playing so well. But, uh, you know, Earl uh, was a temporary quarterback, and Greasy was a quarterback here now and also in the future. What I find truly amazing is coaches develop a style, and they use that style throughout their career. You changed your style. With the undefeated Dolphins, you guys were a running team with Mercury Morris and Larry Zonka. But when Marino came, you guys became a passing team. How hard was it to change your philosophy? Yeah, when you got an arm. And when you got an arm like uh, Marino, you see that and you want to put him in a position where he can use that great ability. And every defensive coach in the league would have congratulated me if I would have had him hand the ball off and uh, not use that great arm. So coaching is all about analyzing your talent and put them in a position where they can they can best use their talent. What's the no game defense? I did that in its entirety better than, better than the sum of its parts. Well, we had some great players. We had some Hall of Famers, Nick Bonacani. We had some great players on that defense too, Manny Fernandez. Uh, but they were a team, you know they. Uh, I guess Landry gave him that nickname, uh, a bunch of no-namers, and uh, they took pride in being uh, a team, a team defense. And a quarterback I forgot to mention that you went to Super Bowl with was David Woodley there in 82. Yeah, we're over <laughs> to Super Bowl with David. And he was a uh, an athlete playing quarterback, and... Marino was a quarterback playing quarterback, but we got the most out of Woodley. And he, uh, you know, thinking back, he was a great competitor, and that helped us win a lot of games. Who did you model your coaching style after? Well, uh, you know, uh, John Carroll, uh, Herb Isley was a Paul Brown disciple, and uh, and I played for Paul, and then I was with Blanton Collier for a long time, so. You know, it'd have to be the, you know, the Paul Brown coaching philosophy. Were you able to explain to your players what the Super Bowl was like before they played in their first one? Oh, yeah, you use all of your experience and, uh, and you try to get them to understand, you know, the, uh, the pressures, uh, the, uh, the importance of the game, how hard you work to get there, and you want to make sure that the, you, when you when you get there, that you are ready to to play the best game of your of your uh, season. Do you think that any coach is going to break your record for all time victories? Uh, there's a lot that uh, you know. There's a lot three forty seven, and I don't know what the next number is. But uh, you got to you got to coach a long time and win a lot of games. If the World Football League hadn't come along and and if you hadn't lost Zonka and Kick and Warfield, do you think you could have won another title or two? Uh, you know, I don't think about that. I just think about the good things that happened and the accomplishments that we had. What was your feeling when you went in the Hall of Fame? That's just a, a great, great feeling, you know, to be recognized for your career and then to 
to go in there with um, uh, so many people that have meant so much to the game, uh, the Hall of Famers and the people that were going in with me in that class. And, uh, it's just a very, very special time in your life. Now, how does a guy who, who eats a lot of crab cakes in Baltimore and great fish at Joe Stone Crab in uh, Miami end up at the steakhouse? <laughs> That's a good question. And the hamburgers, we have... Uh, Shula Burgers now, too, that uh, we have uh, restaurants that sell hamburgers. So, uh, you know, that's right. We got stone crabs and we got fish and uh, now we got hamburgers and steakhouses. So try us out. What is it with those Baltimore Colts players? I mean, Gino Marchetti had all those hamburger joints. Now he's getting back in the food business. You and our Donovan, he was the best food sampler around from what I heard. Yeah, he was. He knew how to eat, <laughs> and then they had Joe Campanella, who was the guy that talked Gino into going into the restaurant business and uh, utilizing Gino's name and uh, putting it together and making a great restaurant chain. If you had to win one game, who would your quarterback be? If I had to win one game. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's not a fair question. It's just. Uh, you know, and you think about Greasy and you think about Unitas and you think about, you know, all the things that Errol Morrill has, all the games that he won. And uh, so, you know, and, and I got to the Super Bowl with David Woodley. So, uh, you know, I just, you know, give credit to the guys that I had and uh, I'm very satisfied and happy with with uh, them and, and the importance that they were in my career. When, when your two sons, Mike and David, said they wanted to go into coaching, did you did you try to talk them out of it? No, you know, they were around all the time. They were ball boys, and they chartered plays on the sideline, and they played. Dave played at Dartmouth, and Mike played at Alabama. and uh, So they, were, they knew what they wanted, and they were willing to do the hard work and uh, to compete and do the things that are necessary to to uh, move on in their careers. <laughs> Who would you say was the greatest player you saw play? Oh, I, you know, you'd have to, uh, I guess, have Jim Brown up there as, as one of the the greatest players, if not the greatest player. And, uh, and Otto Graham, I, I had so much respect for Otto. Uh, when he was a quarterback for the Browns, all he ever did was win championships and uh so I've been around a lot of great players. You know, my players here in Miami, Dan Marino, the way that he, you know, throws the football, through the football, and uh, all the excitement he brought to the game. A player that one player brought up to us is one of the greatest players of all time because he played both ways was Sammy Baugh. Sammy Baugh? Yes. Yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw him. I'm too young to see him play, but they said this guy could do it all. Yeah, he was a great player. I don't remember how much he you know, he played on defense, but at that time, I think a lot of them played both ways. Uh, Chuck, who uh, from Bernard, Bernard right. from the Eagles, he played both ways. But uh, that's been a, a long time ago. Did you have a favorite player when you were growing up? I was a big I was a big Cleveland Browns fan, and uh, we used to uh, go to the games. And uh, when I was at college, John Carroll was right near Cleveland, Cleveland Stadium, and uh, I'd go to the games there. So most of my, you know, favorites were all Cleveland Brown players. 
And when we come back, we will have another Pro Football Hall of Famer, a man who came a long way from Bethune-Cookman College in Daytona Beach, Florida, to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Larry Little. Larry Little. 